This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 48 degrees at 9.04. The forecast today, a chance of showers and a high in the low 60s. Some recent storms in the southern tier are being noted as more than just your run-of-the-mill average thunderstorm. The National Weather Service in Binghamton confirms an EF1 tornado touched down in Steuben County in Wayland on September 19th. That traveled almost two miles with estimated peak winds at 90 miles an hour. And the Binghamton NOAA office has confirmed an EF1 tornado this past Sunday that traveled 2.3 miles through Walton in Delaware County. NOAA estimates the maximum winds there at 95 miles an hour. The National Weather Service officials spoke with area residents who confirmed that winds came from different directions during the course of the storm. And there were building and tree damage reports throughout the tornado path no injuries reported. The National Weather Service says an EF1 tornado is one of six classifications and is considered a weak tornado, producing winds of 86 to 110 miles an hour. If you're talking EF4 and EF5, those are violent, the most dangerous storms. EF4, 166 to 200 miles an hour. EF5, 200 mile an hour winds or better. Village of Owego police say a Binghamton man is accused of selling marijuana illegally at a store on North Avenue. A news release from the Owego police states 31-year-old Abdo Ali was arrested on a misdemeanor count following an investigation into illegal cannabis sales at the Puff One store. Puff One is listed as a vape shop in the village. According to the police, officers executed a search warrant at the store and located numerous additional illegal items and substances. The account did not detail what those additional items, besides marijuana, were deemed illegal in that search. Authorities say additional charges are pending. Owego police were assisted by the New York State Police. WMBF News Time 906. Broome County Youth Bureau is looking for groups, agencies, and local governments that have ideas for combating homelessness among young people and advancing the well-being of youth. Requests for proposals are being accepted from interested nonprofit, community-based organizations, as well as cities, towns, and villages for the 2023 Youth Development Runaway and Homeless Youth and Youth Sports and Education funding through the New York State Office of Children and Family Services. Specific programs should be targeted in the areas of school-based positive youth development, after-school community-based positive youth development, juvenile diversion, mentoring, homeless youth programs, sports, and runaway programs. The municipalities can apply one funding request for all their programs that they're offering. All the required documents can be found at the Youth Bureau website. Documents must be submitted to the Broome County Parks Recreation and Youth Services Department by 3 p.m. on Friday, October 28th. Questions can be directed to the Youth Bureau at 607-778-2193 or bcparks at broomecountyny.gov. WMBF News Time 907. All 50 states are receiving the thumbs up to begin construction on a first nationwide network of electric vehicle charging stations that places one roughly every 50 miles along interstate highways. The Transportation Department approved plans yesterday for the last set of 17 states that will install or upgrade fast chargers along 75,000 miles of highway coast to coast. By year's end, drivers could start seeing upgrades to existing highway EV stations in the states, including Pennsylvania. New York Governor Kathy Hochul issued a statement yesterday praising the approval of those EV charging network 
plans. The Democrat says, quote, the approval, which includes up to $175 million to expand New York's network, will help further facilitate the transition to zero emission vehicles. She says it's going to advance goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, combat climate change, improve air quality, provide benefits to disadvantaged communities, and create green jobs. WMBF News Time 908. Pennsylvania is spending $45 million to add three new state parks. Governor Tom Wolf yesterday announced the parks will be at a nature preserve in Tunkhannock on Big Elk Creek in the Philadelphia suburbs and along the Susquehanna River near Wrightsville. Together, they'll add about 3,400 acres to Pennsylvania's existing system of 121 state parks. The three new parks' final names haven't been determined. They're expected to be fully operational by the end of 2026. New state funding is also helping develop a park where people can use motorized vehicles south of Hazleton and to preserve the state's large collection of geologic core samples. WMBF News Time 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast clouds today a 40% chance of some more showers popping up. Uh, high today, only in the low 60s tonight, mostly cloudy, a slight chance of showers, a low in the mid-40s. Partly sunny Thursday, a high in the upper 50s. Thursday night, it could get fairly cold with a low in the 30s and with a calm wind. That could mean patchy frost as we head toward daybreak. Friday, the forecast for patchy frost in the morning, otherwise mostly sunny, high in the mid-60s. Saturday, partly sunny, high in the mid-60s. And Sunday, partly sunny again, high in the mid-60s. Currently 48 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9. We're News Breaks First, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. Um, is this the button to push? Apparently it is, and we are underway for Wednesday, live and local, with Bob Joseph, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, free on your WNBF app, whether you're listening in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, Connecticut, Maine, Rhode Island, not available in Nebraska. Hey everyone, let's do it. Let's do live radio the way Marconi insisted it ought to be. Looking forward to bringing you some great information, hopefully some compelling phone calls from listeners just like you. I'm rolling out the red carpet for people who've never, ever called the program. Maybe people who've never called a radio show anywhere on the planet. 607-772-1290. Operators are standing by. So we will continue to keep you posted with weather updates here at News Radio WNBF. We do have 
a significant audience in Florida, including many people who will be affected by Hurricane Ian. So we are keeping our Florida friends in our thoughts as uh, they deal with the hurricane, which is now a Category 4 storm. And obviously there will be a lot of uh, wind a lot of water and uh, potential property damage in parts of florida uh, today and perhaps tomorrow according to uh, the major media outlets uh, more than two and a half million people in florida have been advised to evacuate and there are already power outages being reported in parts of the state so if uh, you know folks in florida you might want to as much as possible keep in touch with them up to a point not sure that uh, need to keep in touch with them constantly but to a degree just to uh, see how they're doing looking at the uh, map um Looks as though Ian uh, currently would be expected to move north slowly on Friday, Saturday, even into Sunday, as far as what kind of impacts Ian or the remnants thereof could have on this area. Uh, at this point, unclear. There's no indication uh, currently from the National Weather Service of significant issues related to Ian in the Binghamton area. Here's the official forecast for the Binghamton area. Now, today, cloudy with a chance of showers and some sprinkles as I entered the beautiful Binghamton Now Tower just a few minutes ago. High today, 61. Tonight, a chance of showers, low 44. Tomorrow, partly sunny, high 59. Friday, mostly sunny, high 65. And for the weekend, partly sunny Saturday and Sunday. Highs beat uh, each day about 66. So that's how the weekend shapes up for Binghamton and vicinity at the moment. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 52 at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. I'm sure we'll have, uh, well, potentially, I'm not saying this is a guarantee, potentially on Friday we may invite someone from the National Weather Service Binghamton office to join us to give us a, a sense if anything involving Hurricane Ian or the remnants of Ian would uh, have much of a, of an impact or any effect here on the Binghamton area. We'll see how things go. It's, after all, only Wednesday. Only Wednesday. We do have some uh, interesting things popping up here on the station today. A couple of uh, guests with things that are going on that you should know about here in the Twin Tiers. And uh, also... 
special guests coming up on Thursday and Friday. As we mentioned, Beverly from the town of Dickinson on Tuesday's program. We'll have a spotlight on the Newark Valley Apple Festival on the program tomorrow morning. And some surprises as well. So stay tuned. It's 917. This is News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Every day. Providing you with the best solutions of your lifetime. The KSO Insurance Weekly Spotlight with Karen Sweet O'Neill on News Radio 1290 WNBF. Morning, Karen. Morning, Bob. Well, at 919, what's the good word? I tell you what, there's some good word out there. Uh, number one, we're going to see some reductions in actual. Uh, payment for people on Medicare in 2023. Oh, I heard that might be a little over $5 a month. Is that true? Hey, yeah, but we'll take it. You know, normally there's an increase every year, and last year for the Part B premium, and that's what we're talking about, Part A of Medicare is the hospitalization part, and we've already paid for that for the most part. Part B is an income-based plan, and the average is 170.10 a month that people are paying for their Medicare Part B. Well, we had a pretty big increase last year. This year, they're actually decreasing it, so it'll be 164.90 starting January 1st, So that's a savings of 520 a month. You got it. Hey, anytime you can save anything today, are you kidding? We need to look at it. So yeah. also, the Part B deduction, which last year was $233, um, is dropping to 226. Again, not a huge allocation, but certainly uh, we rather see it go down than go up, and it's very unusual. And we're going to see some increases in the Social Security um, checks going forward. They haven't come out with that figure yet, but it could be up to $200 a month. So we're looking at that now. The other news that uh, we're looking at is the IBM Retiree Benefits Program. For uh, since 2014, Bob, IBM has had their retirees that are on Medicare go through a middle brokerage, which is via benefits, to get their health insurance. And if they did that, then they could get their subsidy. And some of the subsidies are $3,000 a year. So it's not $5 a month. It's quite a bit of money. But what's happened this year is several weeks ago, IBM started to send out mailers and indicated to the people that they have changed the plan. So what they're doing is offering a choice of two new group Medicare Advantage plans, and they're exclusively designed, Bob, for IBM retirees. And they want them to participate, okay? It's being offered by United Healthcare. But there's two choices, and the first choice is the enhanced plan, and the second is the essential. Now, they're piecemealing out the information on the plan designs, so it's difficult for people to actually get a, a grasp of it yet because they don't know what's covered and what's not. But we um, we got a little bit more information the other day, so I'm going to share that with our um, listeners. 
And the first thing is you can remain enrolled in the coverage that you have, okay, if you're in IBM through VIA benefits. Let's say you have a Medicare supplement plan or a Medicare Advantage plan. You can stay right where you are. But if you do that, IBM will no longer give you the subsidy that you've had for the past eight years. So a lot of people are going to have a surprise when they're not being automatically reimbursed if they don't change over. But what are they going to do for people that do go to the enhanced plan or the essential plan? IBM is pushing the enhanced plan. The essential plan will be a zero premium, but the max out-of-pocket for that group PPO is going to be $5,000. Where the enhanced plan, Bob, the max out-of-pocket is $750, and that's for the year. Well, that's pretty darn low. What does that mean? That means through co-pays and deductibles and all of that, if you reach in true out-of-cost expenses, $750, for the remainder of that year, you have zero copay. Very good indeed. But what about the subsidies? How are they being handled? Well, people we're thinking that if they go with the new plans, they're going to get the same amount of subsidy. So if you had $3,000 a year in the plans before, but that's not the way it's going to work. What they're going to do is offset your premium, and that's how you're going to get your benefit. So let's say you've got a $3,000 a year benefit. What's your premium going to be for the enhanced plan? And they're saying you need to call the, the retirement center and find out and all of that jazz. Your premium is going to be zero, okay? But that's going to be different if you have a spouse attached to yours or if you have a surviving spouse. So a couple where the IBM employee was the male, he has passed away, he has his wife on his um, survivorship coverage, how much is it going to cost her? Well, it's going to cost her a lot more than zero premium, but not outrageous. So. What do you do? How do you do it? What we are suggesting is that you give us a call. We'll bring you in the office, and that's what we did um, for a new client yesterday. I said, do you want to, let's just call them. Let's see, see what they're going to tell you. And she was like, yes. And we went through the whole thing, and indeed, they want these people to make a decision by December 16th, and their coverage will be effective January one. So we went through it, and we got a lot more information, which um, will be very beneficial for the IBM retirees. They are asking them to make a decision by December 16th, and we're going to encourage that as well because open enrollment will start to play a factor in the time that, you know, the time that it takes for them to answer the phone, make the inquiry, work with the client. So... That's all that's going on, and we have a lot more figures and plan designs for people. But overall, Bob, I think it's going to be a really good – it's going to be a good transition for most IBM enrollees because it's going to be simpler. It's going to be really good coverage. And what they did was if you go to the enhanced plan, they they put in some really good, uh, robust, optional benefits. So, and, and people need to, you know, pay attention to their mailbox. They're piecemealing it out. They'll get more information by the end of this month. And then beginning in uh, October 1st, which is right around the corner, obviously, even more. So, or they can give us a call. We can bring them in. We can call IBM directly. And be, it's, all, it's specific to that person's um, HRA. 
So it's not, you know, it's not one size fits all on what they're going to be paying. So. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, is is there any way to do that? No. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, a- <laughs> you know, maybe smoke signals or maybe send a telegram <laughs> or something like that. Right. They can get in touch with us several ways. We are taking appointments. We're trying to get the IBM retirees in before open enrollment because they can do it before open enrollment, which is October 15th to December 7th, because we're already booking out for that. So if you're um, on Medicare, you need to make that appointment. If you're not, you know, if you're not hooked up with IBM or Lockheed or BAE, or even if you are, they can reach us at 607-772-4898. We are up on the parkway, 1708 Vestal Parkway East, up above Plato's Closet and Style Encore. You drive right up to us. They can Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information will come up. Or simply go to a phone book, and we have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. And I cannot emphasize enough that the timeline here is pretty tight. So they need to you know, make their appointments. We'll bring them in, and we'll get them all squared away. Move quickly. If you snooze, you lose. You got it, Bob. There you go. Well, Karen Sweet O'Neill, always a pleasure. Hope you have a great day. I hope you do, too, and thank you. Thanks. 927, this is News Radio, WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. Coming up, information about the 40th annual AstroFest at Copernican Vestal. Complete details next here at News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. You want be- Joseph on Space Radio 1290. Setting new standards for the exploration of space using frequency modulation, amplitude modulation, and Albert Gore Jr.'s Internet to provide education to Americans who need to know more about the world of space. Joined now by Drew Desker from Copernic Observatory and Science Center, conveniently located on Underwood Road in the town of Vassal. Good morning, Drew. Good morning, Bob. And uh, you always bring a smile to my face with those intros. Thank you. (laughs) You just never know what to expect. As David Letterman frequently said, there's no off position on the genius switch. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> not that I would know about that. <laughs> well, not that I would either, but it, it certainly sounds good on the radio. Absolutely. Well, the 40th anniversary or 40th annual um, big AstroFest is yeah. uh, just around the corner coming up this weekend at Copernic. First, tell us a little bit about the history of the event and the the overall mission over the last four decades. Well, uh, AstroFest is a is a star party, and it's really an opportunity for uh, uh, people that are interested in space or people that just want to know a little bit more about what's out there uh, to come up and um, come up and learn. It uh, 
it has been, uh, this is our 40th anniversary uh, uh, at Copernic. I mean, uh, it was started, well, in uh, 1980, uh, 1983, um, when uh, Copernic was a uh, part of the uh, Robeson Museum and Science Center. And it has continued uh, ever since. Uh, we have got a, an outstanding lineup of, uh, of presenters, of workshops, and of course, we'll be doing uh, some observing. So uh, um, uh, we're really, really excited. It's uh, we've got um, uh, you know our doors will open at, at six p.m. Uh, you know to the public for you know for tours, and uh, um, we'll have uh, if the sun is still out. Uh, We'll put a, a solar filter on uh, one of our scopes to do some solar, you know, uh, solar observing. But um, um, we've got a couple, a couple of talks, uh, uh, you know, again specifically focused around astronomy. But in particular, at eight o'clock, we have a uh, a scientist from the Space Telescope Science Institute down in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Dr. Kelly Lepo, who is going to be giving us a talk entitled you know, "Webb's First Look at the Universe," uh, basically. The Space Telescope Science Institute is the organization that is driving and operating the James Webb Telescope that was launched uh, back on Christmas Day of last year. And uh, the images that it has been uh, returning to us are just absolutely outstanding. Um, and uh, so Kelly is going to tell us, you know, tell us a bunch of the, of uh, uh, information about what uh, what they have been pulling down. And she's actually going to do, be doing two talks. Uh, so on Friday night uh, will be uh, a talk more aimed at the at the general public. But then on Saturday, again, this this is a two day event for us. On Saturday, she'll sort of do a, a deeper dive into the technology. So for uh, us uh, um, astronomy geeks and uh, and and, and uh, technophiles, uh, she'll probably dive a little deeper into what uh, what this is uh, what this is all about. I don't know if, if you followed any of the launch of that. Uh, of that space telescope, but there was something like over 300 uh, individual points of failure that if it didn't all play out, the telescope would be essentially almost useless. But um, the whole thing played out, and uh, it's been it's been phenomenal. Well, it's always nice when uh, a very complicated project actually works well, because there, there had to have been so many people at different points along the way holding their breath. One thing that I have to ask you about, it just happened the other day, mm -hmm. There were, and I don't know if you had anything to do with this or if they asked you about it, somebody was trying to um, destroy, they wanted to smash an asteroid. First of all, is it even legal? And secondly, who, who on earth would want to smash an asteroid in the first place? Do you know anything about that? I, I know a little bit about that. There, you, what you saw was on Monday, um, the, um, there was a mission called DART, what was called the Double Asteroid Redirection Test. And what that did, they, would, they didn't destroy the asteroid, but they were, this is basically a, a proof of concept. So basically they took a, a spacecraft that um, aimed at a, as it turns out it was a double asteroid. There was a... a, a an asteroid with a smaller asteroid uh, orbiting around that asteroid. Like a small space rock, they said. They called it dimorphous. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. And so what they did was they smashed a about a 1,000-pound satellite uh, into, you know, basically <laughs> into that smaller, you know, dimorphous uh, asteroid. And they then wanted to uh, track what effect did that impact have on dimorphous 
as far as was it able to change its uh, its orbit slightly, and because the 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 dynamorphus was was you know orbiting this other asteroid, did it also change that? And the intent there is to say, okay, if we see a, an asteroid coming toward Earth, um, rather than try to blow it up and make a whole bunch of asteroids coming up at coming uh, at Earth, mm. can we just nudge it slightly just so that gentle. it misses misses Earth? A that, gentle that, nudge. A gentle nudge. And somebody said to me that it was like uh, launching um, uh, uh, like a marble from New York City and hitting a dime somewhere in Los Angeles. That's that's <laughs> the, uh, how difficult that was as far as trying to get to aim it to do it. But uh, yeah, we in fact actually uh, Copernic did a, uh, a live stream of that. We have uh, we have this uh, uh, a YouTube uh, channel we call uh, that's. Copernic Observatory is the YouTube channel. Who and came up with the name for the YouTube channel? Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. <laughs> By the way, we've talked about that in the past. It's, it, it became very popular over the past two and a half years during the pandemic, but I know a lot of the um, the things that have been posted since also are, are very popular, not just among people in, in our area, but around yeah, the world. Well, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, um, yeah, so actually our AstroFest, uh, if you can't come up here and be here in person, you can actually... Uh, uh, participated in those talks uh, through our YouTube channel. What's nice about it is that you can also ask questions through the chat. But yeah, back in May we had a um, a YouTube uh, uh, live stream of the solar eclipse. I'm sorry, the, the lunar eclipse that was back in May. And at one point we had over 25,000 people on our YouTube channel. The um, the chat was flying by like a CVS receipt, and uh, and people actually were saying, we left NASA's uh, live stream for yours because we like yours better. Uh, Jeremy Cardi is our live stream astronomer and does a, just a fantastic job with that. So, um, but anyway, you know, so, uh, so, uh, so AstroFest, again, is this weekend. Uh, it, even on Saturday, we'll be open up, uh, we'll open up at, uh, at 9 o'clock uh, for some solar viewing. We've got some, uh, a number of programs there as well. Uh, we've got uh, a Professor from Ithaca College, who has flown on uh, NASA's Sophia uh, space uh, aircraft. It's actually a 747, specially modified, that it has a telescope on the side, you know, inside. And when it gets up to around 50,000 feet, it opens up the side of the uh, of, of the plane, uh, and they do observing, you know, you know, from the, you know, from that, uh, from that uh, altitude. Uh, We've got somebody talking uh, from actually Cornell's uh, uh, astronomy department talking about where are all the aliens. Um, we'll have a, uh, a meteorite show and tell, and um, uh, and a number of other a number of other uh, 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 presentations, and uh, you know, uh, along with some raffles. And um, oh, also Saturday is International Observe the Moon Night, so. Uh, but never look at it directly. Always <laughs> use one of those special devices. Am I right? To protect your well, eyes. No, well, the moon is you can move. The moon is fine. The sun, you always need to have some kind of a solar filter, and that's something. That's what we have up here, and uh, it really ends up being um, pretty neat to be able to look at uh, sunspots, and we can put on what's called a hydrogen alpha filter, and we can actually look at uh, prominences, uh, you know, from around the sun. By the way. 
Speaking of aliens, did you see that alien ship last Saturday night? Everybody was calling me. I was inside, yeah. or I actually, I don't even remember where I was. I, I was on official business, so I missed it. But people started calling and texting me because they saw the, the aliens traveling over um, Broome County. But it turned out it wasn't aliens. It was uh, Elon Musk with one of yes. his Falcon 9 rocket projects. Right. They, the, the, it turns out we... Um uh, that particular launch happened to come uh, right up the uh, the eastern seaboard, and at the altitude it was, uh, people here in uh, the southern tier was able to uh, was able to see it, and uh, I, I I missed it myself. And uh, um, but uh, actually, somebody had called and sent us a, a video that they took of the um, you know of that you know with with their phone, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I've seen a lot of videos, I mean, obviously from along the East Coast, but from mm. also people here in uh, the Binghamton area. So that, that would have been neat to see. I only uh, only regret that Elon Musk and I are no longer talking. So, you know, if only if only we still had a uh, an ongoing relationship, he would have given me a heads up and I wouldn't have missed it. Maybe you could take him down to the park diner, have a coffee, and... Uh and, uh, and work things out. We'll try. We'll try. So hopefully in the future, WNBF could give people the exclusive directly from Elon Musk when they can see another Falcon 9 rocket uh, going over the area. Again, the most important thing for now, the AstroFest is coming up just, um, gee, just hours away. Just hours right. away. Right. And exactly. based on the, the current forecast, it... I know people are are kind of concerned um, over the next several days about what eventually might happen with uh, remnants of Hurricane Ian. But as far as uh, this weekend, it looks generally uh, as though skies probably are going to cooperate for some some fun viewing. Yeah, that's that's our expectation. It's uh, it's always uh, uh, you know, you never know for sure what you're going to get until you get it. But um, we will uh, we will, we will be ready. And uh, and and meanwhile, there's still a lot of great um, you know, family activities, uh, talks, workshops uh, to take advantage of. And um, there, again, we also have our Copernic Science Park, so you can bring the kids up and they can play on the playground as well. Drew Desker from Copernic Observatory and Science Center, high atop a hill, Underwood Road, in the town of Vestal, almost to the uh, New York New York Pennsylvania line. Pretty close. How many yards away do you figure the observatory is from the state line? Maybe two hundred. Wow. Yeah, that's close. It's uh, but it's beautiful up here, and uh, uh, and I keep telling people, you know, people that live in the area, they come up here and they say, they look up and like, where did all these stars come from? So you got to you got to come up and check it out. It's the best show on the planet, and and actually the best show in the universe, I might add. It really is. Appreciate your time. Hope you have a great weekend. Thanks again for your time, Bob. Thank you. It's 944. This is News Radio, WNBF, serving America with a microphone, a telephone, and a facilitator who has a work ethic, who actually shows up every day. It's almost like clockwork. Have you noticed? You can call us now, 607-772-1290, and talk about space or more earthly topics. 607-772-1290. Speaking of topics... Vehicles, there's a topic, and almost everyone I know would love a brand new vehicle. Or, if not a brand new vehicle, maybe a 
used vehicle in great condition. Miller Auto Team is there for those who are looking for a vehicle, a car or a truck or an SUV, what have you. If you need a new Hyundai or Honda, consult with the folks at Miller Motors at 4455 Vestal Parkway East, directly across from Binghamton University, and they can give you all the options. They know what vehicles are on their way from Honda and Hyundai, and they also have a very impressive selection of previously owned vehicles. In fact, take a look at some of the featured vehicles on the website, MillerAutoTeam.com. I see for example, a 2019 Nissan Rogue SUV. That's beautiful. They also have, oh, a Honda Pilot, a 2019 Honda Pilot EXL, all-wheel drive SUV, and more. So take a look at the used vehicle inventory, or if you'd like to chat directly with folks at the Miller Auto Team, stop in today. They're open till 6 on the Parkway in Vestal. Get a new vehicle, reliable transportation for the upcoming cold weather months. You're listening to News Radio WNBF, WNBF.com. Some person. a theme song for the hit cable show john from binghamton seems you don't want to talk about it you just want to turn your pretty head and walk away am i right john from binghamton yeah that's, that's still <laughs> going on uh, uh to this day you know uh one of the interesting ones i pointed a camera at aaron martin the conservative party chairman and he also has the political patronage job with the broom county legislature and I asked him a simple question, what's the stand on abortion in light of uh, the Supreme Court decision? And he walked away. In other words, the chairman of the conservative party in Binghamton refuses to address the most, one of the most important issues of the day. Well, uh, for that, and again, I can understand some operatives, say even some Republicans, I can understand they they don't want to be recorded by John from Binghamton on that issue, but certainly people affiliated with the Conservative Party, I, I would think that would almost be spontaneous. So, something well, like, Sir, John from Binghamton, you know the Conservative Party position is this, and just state one sentence. Mm-hmm. Well, I've asked that question to Rich David, too, and twice he well, but that's different. He's running for state senate. Well, he's, you know, it's interesting. How come his commercials don't say that he's the Republican nominee? Because they've done research. They've done market research, and it's their apparent belief. I don't know who's running his campaign or developing his 
commercials, but it, it must be. You know, John, you've followed politics long enough. If, if a party affiliation is played up in advertising, that's because their focus groups indicate that it could be positive for the November election. If for some reason they don't mention a party affiliation, that's because whatever research they've done suggests that it wouldn't help gain them votes in the end, that it wouldn't be a net gain. That's that's the only conclusion I make. Nothing, even in relatively local races, say in Broome County or a state Senate race, I don't think much is left to chance anymore. Oh, well, that's true, but that means that somebody... And, and the majority of the, the issues uh, that are most important are, are going to be ignored, and you can't trust. I mean, better to win with 40, better to lose with 40 to 45 percent of the vote where the people know where you stand. And as, as, Bernie, as Bernie Sanders' movement proves, uh, ideas uh, can be transferred from one candidate to another. Uh, if you uh, don't back down on them. And, and what you see here is a complete capitulation. For example, uh, nothing, uh, these two Republican conservative candidates, Sophia Resonetti and Rich David, nothing about critical race theory, uh, nothing about uh, uh, the transgendered uh, movement in education where little kids are, are being uh, taught uh, this stuff uh, against the will of their parents. None of this stuff, and yet these people are supposed to be fighters. But what I wanted to talk about, and thank you for giving me the time if I don't forget in the next two seconds, is the breakdown in both the county level and the city level and the town of Vestal in uh, the legislative process of uh, the three branches of government. Now, in Vestal's case, what you have is the town supervisor acting like he's uh, an executive. And the breakdown there is that, the, and he's just another vote on the town council, but he's acting as if it is not a collaborative effort, uh, but that he is just the executive and uh, the town council will embrace uh, what he uh, has in mind. And this has led to the resignation in very specific terms of one of the town council members. Now, in the city of Binghamton, uh, what you have is this uh, this canard uh, council is working with the mayor. The problem is, is that the committee meetings no longer function. There are not separate committee meetings. They have this so-called work session, which is really an omnibus uh, meeting. Uh, none of the legislation that is coming through is actually proposed by the legislative branch. It's all stuff that's coming from the executive branch that is rubber-stamped by city council. The only way to judge a legislative body is pieces of legislation, problems that they want to solve with legislation. Uh, this used to happen all the time. Council used to meet in work sessions. There was a problem. There were citizens uh, going to these uh, committee meetings, and thus the legislation emerged from uh, the city council. They're waiting for the go-ahead uh, uh, 
from the executive branch. Same thing on the county level. If you look at the county level, you know, every once in a while there's some sort of a bug up somebody's rear end where uh, Dan Reynolds will, will write a letter to somebody and that'll be a, a, a story for a couple of days and then Dan Reynolds will back down and the executive will have his way. But if you look at all the legislation that is going through the Broome County Legislature, very little of it is being uh, hatched between uh, the legislative committees. It is just stuff that is coming down from on high from the executive office. So you have a textbook breakdown in the three branches of government in Broome County, and this is a big thing. Now, let me say this, that regardless of what I think uh, of the people on, in the village government, the village governments, Endicott and Johnson City, mechanically, mechanically are functioning very well. And some of the town governments are too. But uh, these people need to get, and I've offered to, to buy uh, the Broome County legislators a civics textbook. We'll get a collectible copy so they can study it and realize, because I ask many, many times, and many meetings, what's the basis in law for what they are trying to do? For example, if you look at the city, oh, by the way, one last, and I'll wrap it up. Great progress has been made. Megan Heilman has now uh, got her real title on the city's webpage, which is the executive assistant to the mayor. So for 16 years, I have championed this issue. And for many years, everybody from Tarek Abdelazim to Rich David to Jared Cram has falsely claimed the deputy mayor slot a position that doesn't exist as a bona fide to run for mayor. And it is fine. The beast has finally been slayed. I don't know who uh, finally woke up, whether it's a new corporation council, but she has got her title, which is executive assistant to the mayor, and there is no, and there never was, a deputy mayor in the city of Binghamton. We're making progress. Wow. You don't think they're still going to use deputy mayor? In, no. In, I'm not talking about on the website, but I'm talking about in casual conversation, that they won't refer to <laughs> Megan as deputy mayor? Anymore? No, because I filed a Freedom of Information Act asking for her oath of office card for the deputy mayor and other minutia uh, that would indicate and show clearly, in, in addition to the budget line in the city charter, that there was no position of deputy mayor and that, indeed, when you signed a letter uh, uh, and you put that title in, essentially, uh, that is a, a fraudulent thing that could come back to haunt them. So I think what happened is, I really think the Corporation Council says, you know, uh, just like they capitulated on this freedom of But movement, even, Tar even Tarek Abdelazim sometimes was referred to as deputy mayor. So this was not well, a partisan thing. No, it was a fake thing. It was people claiming authority, claiming a position that they didn't have to pad their resume to then go on and run for mayor. And, and just because uh, it, it, it panned out over uh, 16, 18 20 years with three different people of various parties doesn't mean that it was uh, correct or wrong. It was fraud. And when somebody puts a fraudulent position on a resume, that's obviously uh, grounds for immediate dismissal. And the longstanding fraud is now, I believe, permanently put to, put to bed unless 
unless the council wants to create a position. Well, they might. And by the way, we have the news coming up. Thank you, John. Yep. 10 o'clock, W, NBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 51 degrees at 10.04. The forecast for today. Clouds staying around, also staying around. A chance of some precipitation. Might be getting some rain throughout the day today and a high only in the upper 50s. A Binghamton man who had a prior rape conviction on his record is headed to prison again for choking an 18-year-old during a domestic incident. The Broome County District Attorney says 24-year-old Derek McNeil will serve five years in New York State Prison for injuring the girl on March 30th this year at a home on Homer Street. McNeil was sentenced in Broome County Court yesterday after pleading guilty to the felony charge of assault as well as criminal mischief. Following his arrest, McNeil had initially been charged with assault, criminal contempt, and criminal obstruction of breathing or blood circulation. Prior to that March 30th report, District Attorney Michael Korchak says McNeil had been convicted of felony rape. That would have been in January 21st of 2021. According to a June 2nd news release from the Broome County Sheriff's Office, while confined at the Broome County Correctional Facility in the town of Dickinson on that assault, contempt, and obstruction of breathing charges from March 30th, Quote, inmate Derek McNeil punched a glass window in the door leading out of the housing unit recreation yard, breaking it. Authorities put the cost of that damage at $250. The Binghamton man was charged with criminal mischief. The Broome County District Attorney noted in a statement that the defendant has given been given numerous chances to abide by the law and has not. An entry in a January 24, 2018 Oneana police blotter shows a then 20-year-old Derek McNeil of Binghamton had been arrested for aggravated harassment. Following that five-year prison term that was handed down this week in Broome County Court, McNeil will serve five years post-release supervision. WMBF First News Time, 10.06. The Broome County Clerk is alerting veterans that a group in Arizona is trying to dupe them into paying for documents that they can get any time for free from the county in which they live. Clerk Joseph Mahalko says a group called DD214 Direct in Phoenix is charging $79 for veterans to get their military discharge papers that are commonly known as the DD-214. Mihalko says the Arizona group not only wants to file the papers for the veterans, but they charge what he called an exorbitant fee for a copy. They could charge the veteran over $100 for an email and hard copy. Mahalko says you do not have to pay any amount for a certified copy of your DD-214, and it is also free to file. After the military discharge papers are filed with a county clerk's office, the original is returned to the vet, but certified copies will be provided to the veteran free in person at any time. The clerk says if you're a parent, spouse, dependent, or child of a veteran, you can work with the Broome County Veterans Service Agency to obtain copies of the discharge paperwork. WMBF News Time 1007. New York State Police and Odeana are looking for a couple in connection with the theft of a cell phone and wallet containing cash and cards from the Walmart on State Route 23. Troopers say the owner forgot the wallet and Samsung phone in the ladies' room at around 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday, September 24th. And when she returned to the restroom after realizing the items had been left behind, they were gone. The wallet and phone were later found inside the Grand Union on Commons Drive in Hartwick, but the money was gone. New York State Police have released on their Facebook feed photos of a white couple they say they'd like to talk to and who may have some information. 
Anyone with information is asked to call the state police at 607-561-7400. A local group that trains service dogs for veterans will be benefiting from a free screening of a documentary about the special bond between those dogs and the people they help. The documentary, To Be of Service, will be shown tomorrow at the Forum Theater in downtown Binghamton beginning at 5.30. The film follows war veterans dealing with post-traumatic stress disorders and records their interaction with their service dogs and the benefits. Following the free showing of the documentary, there will be a question and answer session with experts and a veteran student in the program. The event is open to the general public. Anyone interested in attending can reserve a seat in advance through Evenbright. And Tigers fans will have more than just their football team to cheer about when they head out to Friday's game pitting Union Endicott against the Corning Painted Post Hawks. They'll be able to celebrate a newly refurbished stadium. Construction workers are putting the finishing touches on a $1.3 million modernization project at Ty Cobb Stadium in Endicott. New bleachers have been installed and other enhancements have been made at the facility behind UE High School. The District Director of Facilities and Safety Toby Riddleberger says that the stadium should be ready for Friday's scheduled football game. Some preliminary construction work for the project began during the spring break last April. New concrete risers were installed in recent weeks before aluminum seating was put in place. Additional seating is being added at the top of the stands to provide handicap accessibility. WMBF News Time 1009. You watch. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, cloudy today, a 50% chance of showers, a high in the upper 50s. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a slight chance of showers with a low in the mid-40s. Partly sunny tomorrow, a high in the upper 50s. Now for Thursday night, clear skies plunging the temperatures into the 30s, and that could spell some patchy fog toward daybreak, giving Friday the start off with patchy fog. Otherwise, mostly sunny and a high in the mid-60s. Then for Saturday and Sunday, partly sunny skies, and again, the high in the mid-60s. Currently, it is... 51 degrees in Binghamton. It's 1011 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Second hour of the program for a Wednesday morning with Bob Joseph, News Radio, WNBF, taking calls now at 607-772-1290 or fire off an email to Bob at WNBF.com. Start off another big hour of our big broadcast on Big Radio 1290. And only the biggest callers and the biggest topics. We'll see. 
Interesting. It sounds sounds like uh, a lot to deliver, but we have till noon today, so we'll see what we might accomplish with the time we've been allotted. So we've been mentioning following developments with Hurricane Ian. According to the reports, it has now strengthened to 155 miles an hour. And it's very close to uh, becoming a Category 5 storm. So right now it's Category 4. And um, just keep you posted as the uh, developments occur over the next uh, couple of days at least. According to a story just posted by the Orlando Sentinel, the uh, storm will strike Florida shortly and carve its way up to Orlando, barreling toward Florida's southwest coast right now. And then it's expected to trudge its way up toward Orlando tonight. That's a story with four reporters. Can you imagine what it would be like to have a newspaper that could afford to deploy four reporters on a single story? Richard Trebo. Stephen Lemongello, Jeffrey Schwears, and Roger Simmons all contributed to the uh, story in the Orlando Sentinel on the website. They even have a staff photographer. I bet they have more than one. Joe Carvetta from the Sun Sentinel took a picture of uh, a small airplane that got flipped upside down at the Pembroke Pines airport so that's some of what's going on it says storm surge from Englewood to Bonita Beach including Charlotte Harbor could be Charlotte Harbor I don't know how it's pronounced in Florida uh, forecast a hit from 12 to 18 feet surge up to 10 feet expected from uh, the area of Longboat Key near Sarasota up to 12 feet south past Naples to the Everglades and Governor Ron DeSantis said this is a very powerful major hurricane that will have major impacts. Both in southwest Florida when it hits later today and then as it continues to work through the state. Governor DeSantis was speaking from Florida's Emergency Operations Center in Tallahassee. So that's a status report of the hurricane. In Florida. As far as uh, weather closer to home at this point, no indication from forecasters that Ian is going to cause potential problems for the Binghamton area, but stay tuned because forecasts can change. Here's the complete forecast for now uh, from the National Weather Service. I'll give you the full seven day forecast so you can get a sense of what they expect to happen at least based on conditions right now today cloudy with a chance of showers 58 tonight mostly cloudy a slight chance of showers 44 tomorrow partly sunny 59 friday sunny 65 saturday and sunday partly sunny both days highs of 66 then looking ahead to the new work week Monday, partly sunny, with a chance of showers, 62. And Tuesday, partly sunny, 63. So based on that, doesn't sound 
doesn't sound as though people in this area should have any reason to be alarmed. On the other hand, based on what we've seen in the past, you never know. So we'll keep in touch and let you know what the forecasters are saying. It's 1017 at WNBF. WNBF on uh, Wednesday morning with Bob Joseph. We're joined now by John Rizzoni from Tri-Cities Opera. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? It's going well from here. What about you? Oh, can't complain. You know, it's a little dreary, but I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, how about the winds? <laughs> so have, have, the, have the high winds started where you are? Yeah, they have, but it's all right. A little bit. Not too bad yet. All right. Stay calm and carry on. That's right. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, these are exciting times for everyone, as, including the Tri-Cities Opera. Uh, tell us what's um, coming up, what's just around the corner. Yeah, well, we've already launched our season with our children's opera, Mystery on the Docks, last, uh, about two weeks ago at, at Arts Adventure. But this weekend, we have a really wonderful event coming up. We're calling it the Pocket Opera Project. And basically, we have taken um, short stories written by local middle, middle school students on local subjects and then have been working with um, graduates of the Binghamton University Master of Music and Composition program to create mini operas, pocket operas, as we're calling them. So it's local stories by local people. Uh, and expressed through the through the medium of opera. And so on Saturday of this week, uh, October 1st at 7 p.m., we'll be presenting a workshop of these brand-new operas uh, for, for anybody who would like to attend. Tickets are $12 for adults, and then it's free for kids. Uh, so it's a really uh, wonderful way to get the community involved with the creation of opera and also to tell our local stories in a meaningful and compelling way. Including We Survived the Flood of 1935 by Archer McIntyre. Absolutely. So, yeah, Archer McIntyre uh, wrote this story. Uh, and we're working with uh, Santino D'Angelo, who's, who a lot of people know locally uh, in the musical theater world, but he's also worked with us before. We did a world premiere of one of his pieces about five years ago. Uh, but Santino is back to uh, work as a, a mentor and librettist with the composers. Uh, and so, yeah, we survived the flood in 1935 by Archie McIntyre. Uh, our composer, Kanan Harris, who's a graduate of Binghamton University, uh, is writing that piece. And then we also will be presenting Train 61 by Sindhu Zhou. Uh, and that is uh, Derek Young, uh, a local composer, uh, has written that opera. And then the third opera, uh, Roberson's Ghost by Adrian Smith, uh, will be set to music by Ben Palmatier. Uh, and then we'll be doing a workshop of uh, a short story called The Magical Carousel by Laura Stevens. And in the beginning of the program, actually on Saturday, we'll take that story, take pieces of it, and actually uh, Santino uh, and Kanan Harris, who actually kind of conceived this whole project, they'll work together to kind of work through a process of what that how they go about putting a story to music. Uh, so there's a little process built in, and then we'll premiere these 
these three new pocket operas. But it's all going to be performed in English? Correct. It's well, how am I supposed English. to understand that, man? I don't know. That, that, sounds, like, that sounds like a you problem, Bob. Yeah, I'll have to work on that. I'll, I'll get professional know, right? help before this weekend. Well, the one thing I will say, so for this production, because it's in English, we will not be doing this. But everything, all of our main stage productions, do we do project uh, um, super titles over the stage. So if you don't know the language, there's always an opportunity to follow along with the translation. Well, that's an important point, and I think that that makes it more accessible to some people who you know might find um, hearing a, a presentation in something that's not in English, uh, such as what's sure. going on this weekend. Sometimes it it might feel intimidating for for people who aren't uh, aren't used to that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think of opera kind of as like film, and even nowadays, you know, it's funny some people have an aversion to reading along, but I think more and more with streaming platforms and all of the different ways we watch now, we're, I mean, I always have titles on so I can read in case I miss something or make sure, you know, I understand what's going on. And so I think actually there's kind of a trend in, in people's viewing habits to, to actually read along so that they make sure they're not missing things. So opera has been ahead of that game for a while. <laughs> We've been doing it for about Oh, I don't even know when we started the projections. It's been at least probably 30 plus years. Uh, but we know our biggest goal is to make sure people can understand and connect to these deeply human stories that we're telling. And I think it's super exciting for, you know, obviously for these kids, for these composers to premiere these pieces, but also for the community. I mean, we're telling the stories of Broome County. We're telling the stories of our region through this production. Uh, and, you know, some people think of new music, they think weird, they think atonal, but I guarantee that these are gorgeous pieces. I mean, we've been, we had our first rehearsal with, um, with our two, um, I'm using air quotes, orchestra members. It's a small band. We have a piano, cello, and flute for this production. So it was an exercise for the composers to not only write operatic vocal music, but also dig into arranging for multiple instruments. Uh, and so, you know, this, this band is coming together with, um, you know, the, the resident artists of Tri-Cities Opera, uh, Kyrie Leiborn, Janine Dwarin, and Felix Aguilar-Thompson, and then also the Master of Music and Opera students from Binghamton University, uh, and a few other students are joining the cast as well. So we have a really collaborative um, production here that's, you know, the community coming t together to tell the community's stories. Also, the fact that parents or grandparents might be interested in this, if they're uh, planning or considering bringing young people to this presentation, um, it, it's not a long, it's not going to run two, three, five hours. It's going to <laughs> run, I mean, which I think well, is important for people. John, you may not know this. Young people these days seem to have somewhat shorter attention spans than, than I do. But uh, that, that could be, could make it even more attractive for people with yeah. kids to bring. Definitely. You're absolutely right, Bob. You know, this presentation will be just over an hour. Uh, each opera is around 20 minutes or less. Uh, so they're just, you know, we, we decided uh, this is our first endeavor in this realm of really workshopping. Well, it's our first endeavor in a long time of workshopping and world premiering uh, a new piece. 
Uh, so, you know, we wanted to have these bite-sized chunks. We wanted to make sure that it was accessible. There is one thing I will say. Even CCO does not believe in five-hour hoppers anymore. I scared somebody back. there. It's like, oh, no, do they have a five-hour opera coming up this season? <laughs> there is not a five-hour opera, although I will say in this spring, you know, we're doing Mozart's masterpiece, The Marriage of Figaro, which actually is a super relatable story of, you know, uh, Figaro, which probably one of the most famous opera characters and his on his wedding day with his wife and some of the hijinks that happen around the estate where he works. Uh, but that is actually a three hour and 15 minute opera. So that's one of the long ones. Uh, but, you know, our production of um, a Pocket Opera Project is about an hour. We'll be doing uh, at the end, I'm really excited about this, but at the end of October or the weekend before the last weekend of October, we'll be doing a project called Madness and the Medium. Uh, and that is a pairing of the medium, which is a classic opera from the 1950s uh, about a medium uh, who is uh, kind of a fraud, but then she kind of has a real spiritual experience, goes a little crazy, and uh, somebody ends up dead. So it's one of those really happy operas. But the cool thing about that piece, we're pairing it with these scenes of murder and madness from other operas, and we're actually installing that as a haunted house throughout the uh, Tri-Cities Opera facility. So there'll be a tour of these scenes through our physical plant landing at the production of the medium. Uh, and, you know, even that whole thing with the scenes and this full production of the medium, that's about a two-hour event total. So we were really looking to make sure that, you know, we're presenting opera in a package that's accessible to our community and to our audiences. You know, we have uh, anybody under 18 is always free to come to Tri-Cities Opera. We just, just call the box office and reserve tickets. Um, and we have, you know, a lot of programs going, a lot of ways of, of, of presenting that are really meant to bring people into the, into the story and also meet people where they're at as they enjoy, uh, you know, enjoy the operatic art form. And, you know, additionally, where we've added back a holiday production this year uh, on December uh, 18th, we'll be presenting Amal and the Night Visitors, which is really family-friendly programming. It's the story of Amal, a uh, disabled boy, and his encounter with uh, the Magi on their way, uh, you know, in that first Christmas story. Um, and, and the message is really about how, um, how generosity uh, is wonderful, basically. I guess that, that wasn't super eloquent like I was trying, but, you know, when we give our best gift, good things happen. And Absolutely. so really the programming this fall is meant to engage, delight, and surprise uh, and really, uh, you know, meet, meet everyone where they're at, meet our audience where they're at, and welcome them back to a full season, a full season for the first time in about two and a half years, a full season at Tri-Cities Opera. Well, it sounds good. So can people obtain tickets by phone or going online? Absolutely. The best bet is to go to TriCitiesOpera.com. Uh, you know, there's plentiful information about our upcoming events on there. Um, and then also our box office number is uh, 607-772-0400. Uh, Karen Phillips, our box office manager, is always happy to help. And if anybody needs you know, help navigating the site or, you know, has questions about the content of the productions, et cetera. Karen is a great resource for those questions. Should be a fun Saturday night. Most definitely. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. 
John Rizzoni from the Tri-Cities Opera, thanks for being with us. Keep an eye out on the weather forecast, too, would you? I will, Bob. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We'll talk soon, I'm sure. Take care. It's 1031 WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. Open lines now if you have something to discuss, hurricanes or the low price of gas. 607-772-1290 is the number. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and available for free on the WNBF app. Thirty-four WNBF flying the uh, the mission as uh, as we can as long as weather permits. Of course, we will adjust the mission in the events of um, any kind of weather issues at WNBF. Right now, though, we're in the clear, and hopefully, it'll stay that way. Gas prices, everybody, everybody talks about the gas prices, but nobody does anything about them except for WNBF, because we're on your side. I see gas prices now are dipping, dipping below 350 at many locations here in the Binghamton District, so that's good news. I know some people were upset for a time because their gas prices were um, momentarily above $5 a gallon, and, oh, I feel your pain. But... The latest uh, statistics from the Gas Buddy prove, without a doubt, gas prices are uh, dropping precipitously. So if you have had any concerns about uh, affordability of uh, gasoline, petrol, uh, now more than ever, it's, it's a relative bargain. Relative. I know somebody's going to say, but yeah, compared to a year ago. Well, we're not living a year ago. Everything goes up, my friend. Everything will go up. So if you want some gas, go buy some. Buy lots right now, three forty-nine. One of the things that is um, causing gas prices to go down, of course, um, people are using less. Supply and demand. Has any gasoline or petroleum expert will explain, or for that matter, any economist will point out what happens with gas prices or anything else or ice cream supply and demand when there's lots of something the price could go down unless there is a demand that's that exceeds the supply so we had an issue I believe last spring in the United States where because of a variety of factors including Putin's war creating instability in the global energy market, well, there were concerns. Will there be enough? 
gasoline for great Americans like you and me. And it turns out there was, basically. I don't know of any major situations in the United States where people who wanted the gasoline couldn't get the gasoline. I will say this. Even though we seem to be sitting pretty right now at the end of September, other things can happen. Again, it could be more global instability, trouble in the Middle East, more Putin-related problems. I mean, that guy, sorry to say, that guy is not done messing with the world and running wars and killing innocent people. It, clearly, he's not done with that. So, at some point, in fact, there was a point, I think it's even in the news today, about the possibility that somebody intentionally damaged uh, under undersea pipelines, gas pipelines um, from Russia to Germany. Apparently somebody is messing around with them. I know you're saying, but Vladimir Putin wouldn't do that. Well, maybe he wouldn't. Maybe it's, maybe it's just kids playing with explosives out in the middle of the ocean. Who knows? Who did it? Who knows if those reports are even true, as they say. When it comes to news today, who really knows? But the bottom line is, right now, at this precise moment, the global energy picture is not as dire as it had been a few months ago. Uh, some people are saying, yes, but it's Brandon's fault. Sure, I get it. Everything, everything bad in your life, you know, if the... Uh, steak isn't cooked the way you ordered it. Blame Brandon. Well, if Brandon wasn't in charge, my steak would have come out perfectly. Well, maybe. Maybe. But the bottom line is, at the moment, prices are starting, and now I'm saying generally, prices, consumer prices are starting to stabilize. There are even reports that um, prices in some cases are coming down. Not only is gas coming down, gasoline, but shockingly, but I heard it on my way in, driving into the beautiful Binghamton Now Tower just uh, 90 minutes ago, I heard on the radio they said, gasoline prices are down and chicken wing prices are down. So those are the two key economic indicators. I know earlier this year, people were highly, highly enraged on talk radio because of the high prices of chicken wings and gasoline. And of course, you know who was being blamed. And I'm not saying that it wasn't his fault. Maybe it was. Maybe Brandon was in charge of the nation's chicken cartel. And maybe that's why the price of wings at some of your favorite wing emporiums skyrocketed. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how the industry works. I have no idea. You know, which actually gives me an idea of starting a website. If Patrick DeHaan can be our gas buddy, then Bob Joseph could be your wing buddy. I'll call it WingBuddy.com, and I'll keep track of the nation's wing prices. And that way, you can make an informed decision when you go out for wings on wing night. It's 1040 WNBF.
Let's go to the phones now at 607-772-1290. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, I'd like to remain anonymous this time, Bob. All right. Uh, your anonymity is protected. I appreciate that, pal. How can you sit there and say that even the price of any kind of groceries is going down right now? Have you been shopping lately? I'm talking about, I didn't say anything about groceries. I said wing prices are starting to come down. I'm not talking. I don't. I don't cook my own wings, believe it or not. It's too too much of a hassle. I'd rather have people cook my wings for me. And wing prices and gas prices are starting to come down. I'd rather have people cook for me too, but the reality is the majority of people, especially here, have to cook for themselves. And if you've been to the food store lately, you can't possibly think that anything is coming down. In fact, it's going up. Oh, I agree with you. I, I didn't notice how my little dissertation right before your call didn't mention anything about food prices or supermarket prices i mentioned specifically gasoline and wings prepared wings but you're absolutely right the the high price the shockingly high price of food at the supermarket is uh, dare i say outrageous well i think that's an understatement but i think we can agree there um you think maybe the gasoline prices are going down because people need to be able to afford to eat so they have no room to travel except to the grocery store. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I agree. The economy, all parts of the, the economy are, are um, they're tied together. So you're right. As people have to make tough budget decisions, also, here's my prediction, coming up this winter, gasoline prices are likely going to plummet further as people realize that the cost of heating their homes might be double what it was last heating season. So, you know, so people, let's face it, you and I and most people listening, we have only a certain amount of money we can spend every month. So, yeah, if gas prices are five bucks a gallon, and we have to make some tough decisions about travel. But also, if a pound of bacon now is 20 or 30 bucks a pound, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, I guess you'll have to be vegan and you'll have to eat the, you know, genetically modified manufactured meat, quote unquote. So-called meat? Never. Yeah. But Never. Mr. That's Anonymous, either. I shall not eat the so-called meat. Neither will I, but that's... <laughs> stuff is more expensive than the actual I know. Piece. I know. I mean, they get you, Mr. Anonymous, they get you coming and going. Well, exactly my point, Bob. But listen, how can you expect the gas prices to stay low after the election, after the midterms, after, you know, whoever gets in office, they're going to jack it back up. There's going to be the taxes back. I mean, they're not going to keep these prices down. because Not if the Republicans win. If the Republicans take control of the House and the Senate, low energy prices will be the rule for at least the next two years. Well, and that's obviously a good thing, no, Bob? Sure. I want low energy prices. I don't know. You know, sometimes people come up to me on the street and they say, Raj, why do you speak so eloquently about prices when, when you know we're paying high prices for food and we're going to pay really high prices to heat our homes? And much of this year, the, the price of gas was uh, very close to five bucks. Why do you speak so eloquently that it's, it's not a problem? Of course it's a problem. I'm I'm with you. I'm on your side, man. All right. Well, I, I could appreciate that, Bob. But these people that act like it's this big, uh, cert, you know, 
let's celebrate now that the gas is back down to three fifty, three sixty. That's that's not something to celebrate. It's still way too high. Well, I agree. I I think gas prices should be across the board two dollars a gallon, but. Let's face it, you and I have no control over it. I'm not saying three forty nine a gallon is great. I'm just saying it's a lot better than five dollars a gallon. Well, obviously. But Yeah, I mean, so I'm celebrating small victories. I didn't say that the war has been won. I'm viewing the current trend with gas prices at least as a modest victory for consumers. I mean it's it is it's better than nothing. If, yeah, uh, we're gonna I mean, as, be- as as my good friend, the late great Tony Russell would say, it's better than the sh- uh, um, a, a poke in the eye with a sharp pencil. Hey, Bob, I gotta go. But one last thing: uh, how, how's your Red Sox doing? <laughs> I haven't heard you mention them. <laughs> yeah, good point. I I actually tweeted something out um, the other day because Fox News. That's the only way I I knew that it true uh, you watch cnn i've seen the pictures on twitter and everything you got cnn on the background yeah, so mo- you're right most of the most of the time but sometimes i have fox news on and every once in a while about once a month i turn on msnbc just for a a, <laughs> well, a chuckle i wouldn't do that very often but, <laughs> but what no um i i misspoke i said fox news uh fox sports on their major league baseball uh, twitter page okay. Um, they they actually put a giant picture and sh- showed the guy from the Red Sox looking disgusted, and they had the giant like a font so big I can see it even without my glasses, and it said "eliminated Boston Red Sox." And I retweeted that, yeah, because the it was um, Monday they put that out that the Fox Sports said the Red Sox have officially been eliminated from playoff contention. Yeah, did you see who uh, clinched though? Did you want to mention that or no? The Yankees. The Bronx Bombers, baby. Hey, Bob, have a good day, pal. Thank you, Mr. Anonymous. See, I am willing to protect your anonymity because I understand sometimes we wish to remain anonymous. It's 1047. Matt from Binghamton. Good morning. No, I wish to remain anonymous. Oh, okay, Mr. Anonymous. I'm sorry. We'll delete that from the West Coast feed. Now another anonymous <laughs> listener from somewhere in the universe. Good morning, unidentified Hello. caller. Uh, yes, hi. Uh, the only thing I agree with this guy on is the Bronx Bombers, so we have something in common. Oh, yeah, and by the way, notice how I didn't... I didn't prevent. I didn't make excuses. I, you know, and I didn't. Uh, I give credit where credit's due. The Yankees clinched last night, and the Red Sox, as as I said, the Red Sox have officially been eliminated from playoff contention. So, hey, you know, well, it's you, it is you what gave it is. Credit to the Yankees. You gave credit to the Yankees when somebody made you give credit. To the Yankees. True, but okay. at least I did. I mean, I, I could just have, Matt, from being, I mean, anonymous person, I could have just as easily deleted that from the broadcast feed and no one would have been the wiser. Right. So, uh, you know, call call me what you will, but that's, at, at least I'm honest and I, get, I do give credit, even if it's sometimes grudging credit where it's due. Right. So here's the deal. I mean, I heard this... Uh, you know, just a response to what he was saying. Gas prices are down because people are driving less, less because gas prices were so high. When demand goes down, ask the gas buddy. He's not political. He'll tell you why gas prices go up and down. One of the reasons, other reasons it stays up or doesn't go down as quickly is because of corporations are 
the, the corporations that produce gas are making record profits. If they would give a little, then uh, and who and who supports them blindly? It's uh, uh, I would say it's more one side than the other. So and food prices. Look, we haven't gone through inflation, bad inflation, in a long time. Everybody got uh, believes it can never happen again. Well, when you have a pandemic, when you have supply chains all screwed up, when you, everything happens under the sun, and you're going to have finally have uh, you know some tough times in the United States. I'm uh, I think I find myself lucky enough to live in the, live long enough to see the fluctuations that happen in an economy. And if you think if you want to blame it on one party or the other, it's just it's just ridiculous. There's many, many factors that go into this. And does one party try to capitalize on it? Yes. Uh, trying to blame it on the other party that's not in office? I've, absolutely. Is that right or wrong? I'm, you know, that's up to people to decide. I don't think it's right or wrong. I think it's just what that's what is done. It's not a question of right well, or wrong. That's just what that's how it works. I you don't have to. Well, I think it is a question of right or wrong. In some oh, ways oh, Mister Mister Anonymous from somewhere in the universe. Come on, man. It's not right or wrong. I mean, that's the that's the traditional way imagine, of politics. Imagine when, imagine when we had a time when politics wasn't like that, and every, whoever got elected and who uh, admitted that they got defeated worked together for the better of the American people. Oh. Instead of being tri- are you kidding me? It used to be that way. Oh, not in my lifetime. Yes, it was in your lifetime. Where? It was in your Where? What are you talking about when Tip, when Tip O'Neill and... Oh, uh, and, and the, uh, oh, Tip, oh, Tip O'Neill and Ron Reagan? Oh, come on, man. Yes, it was, it was, not, it was not nearly the toxic environment that we have now. Yeah, but Ronald it's... Reagan it, Ronald Reagan would be rolling over in his grave if he knew what some of these Republicans were saying. Go listen to his farewell speech when he talked about uh, immigration, how important it was to our country. Can you imagine, Uh, by the way, can you imagine if the Republican Party had a rebirth and suddenly reverted, mysteriously, by the way, suddenly and mysteriously reverted to the the Reagan Republican Party, if that happened in 2024? America probably would celebrate mr anonymous well you know and 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 the fact that i would have to celebrate some some kind of uh, ronald reaganism would be um, a little miracle too but the reality is they've gone so far over the um the right edge that uh nobody many many people in fact i think the figure was this morning 83 percent of the people uh you know don't like you know, are, are not thrilled with uh, the people that 60, 61% of Republicans still think Joe Biden was elect, uh, wasn't elected president legally. And No, I wonder what cable channel they watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know and, what I fact, mean, Mr. Anonymous. The other thing is, when you joke around about, oh, I would never watch MSNBC, why not? Watch it. Watch. I watch both sides. Oh, by the way, I was joking with that other anonymous caller. Of course, I, w- I watch all the channels. But he was making some sort of blanket statement that I never watch Fox News Channel, and that's that's not true. He was saying he was saying he wouldn't watch MSNBC. Why not? If you if you can't watch a show and then critique it and say why they're wrong and just 
instead just say it's fake news and uh, I'm not going to make a decision because somebody's made a decision for me already what's fake news and what isn't fake news, then you don't know how to think critically. And that's the big problem in this country is so many people let other people make the decisions for them and don't do the hard work of figuring out what, what, what is uh, closer to the truth than not. Yeah, and right now, I'm watching Fox News right now, live here on the station, and they have a controversial story on, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with it, but it says Hurricane Ian nears Florida landfall with 155-mile-per-hour winds. Right side of the screen, they have um, the future radar, along with current statistics for Fort Myers, and then they have a live picture from... Uh, another location in florida so i can understand the controversy of fox news but i watch it yeah but how has anybody uh um written in uh, any projected differences oh, with a sharpie with a, with a sharpie <laughs> mr anonymous i saw that coming up court street the guy with the sharpie no he's not on tonight or he's not on till eight o'clock tonight with um john carlson or Tucker Hannity or whatever. But they'll have their Sharpies in hand tonight from 8 to 11 on your Fox News channels. Check local listings. Dale from Binghamton, good morning. Uh, yeah, just to talk about the hurricane and the gas prices. All right. And uh, if, Fi if Fire away, fire out, away. Well, if that was out in the middle of the Gulf Coast and, say, hit the... Uh, Louisiana coast, we would be paying a lot more for gas. Just one hurricane would do that. That's true. That's true. Patrick DeHaan, our gas buddy, would, would tell you that. And the bottom line is, between now and November 1st, even after November 1st, because it's now suddenly an active uh, hurricane season, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked that some hurricane, even in the next two or three weeks, develops and targets the the refineries of, of Texas and Louisiana, and indeed, we could see a, a, a sudden price spike if that happens. Yeah, you know, and that's another situation that you have to think about when the prices go up and down and everything, and, and uh, the uh, companies that make gasoline, you know, have to d depend on that, you know, have to absorb that, so that gets passed down to us. But otherwise, um, I, I deal with a uh, a convenience store in the area, and uh, I had a dollar sixty nine cents a gallon off the gas price. I went down and pumped fifty bucks worth of gas, you know. And uh, you know, you want some cheap gas? Go up to Cortland County. They're selling gas now up in Homer, and, uh, yeah, there are two stations. Apparently, it's some kind of a price war uh, in Homer on West Street, Southwest Street in Homer. It's three oh three a gallon. Come on, man. Yeah, but if you drove that far from here... You know, oh, good point. That defeat the purpose. I know, you know, I know. But but I'm just pointing out, Homer, even some other stations around there, Cortland, 315, 325, so just... Only providing information, not suggesting anybody go up to Cortland County just to buy cheaper gas. But I'm saying if you happen to be going toward Homer or Cortland County today, be sure to uh, 
purchase your gasoline and pocket uh, a couple dollars savings, maybe. Oh yeah, I I used to do that with diesel fuel, and I'd run out of run out of Pens- out of Erie, Pennsylvania into Ohio, and it'd be a dollar so cheap or just running across that state line, you know, and uh, you know stuff like that. But yeah, the uh, gas car is working good for me. And uh, can I mention the uh, convenience store? But I don't know. Oh, I we we pro- we probably know. Well, go ahead, mention it. Yeah, Mirabito, Morabito. 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 Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but no, that's okay. But um, but Morabito and Speedway and Burn, they all have various yeah. discount programs where you could save, Yeah, uh, I think in a lot of cases, 10 cents a gallon. So a lot of people subscribe to that. And so, hey, every little bit helps. It, it does, you know, and uh, I didn't realize, but... Um, the gas that gas card I use it goes up to a dollar and then stops and I had like a dollar sixty nine a gallon. <laughs> Here I am putting fifty dollars. Oh yeah, in my gas tank. You know. Hey Dale, thanks for your call. Yep. Ten fifty eight. Bob Joseph with a community conversation on this Wednesday morning. Thank you so much for joining us. More to come on News Radio WNBF. Hey, business on trip. You can go to AveloAir.com and use promo code WMBF before February 28th. So now is the time to say hello to Avello and book a ticket to escape that brutal Binghamton winter. I'm Bob Joseph, 11 o'clock at WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. We've got a chance for on-again, off-again showers for today. Nothing real severe. A high in the low 60s. Still looking at a possibility for some frost on Thursday night into Friday morning. Some recent storms in the southern tier are being noted as more than just your typical thunderstorm. The National Weather Service office in Binghamton is confirming an EF1 tornado touchdown in Wayland, New York, just west of Binghamton and Steuben County on Monday, September 19th, traveling for almost two miles with estimated peak winds of 90 miles per hour. And the Binghamton NOAA office has confirmed an EF1 tornado on Sunday that traveled 2.3 miles through the Walton area in Delaware County. NOAA estimates the maximum winds at 95 miles per hour. Weather Service officials spoke with area residents who confirmed that the winds came from different directions during the storm. The storm resulted in some tree and building damage throughout the tornado's path, but no injuries. The National Weather Service says an EF1 is one of six classifications and is considered weak, producing winds of 86 to 110 miles an hour, while EF4 and EF5 are violent. EF4 is 166 to 200 mile an hour winds. EF5 is 200 mile an hour winds or greater. All 50 states have received final approval to begin construction on a first nationwide network of electric vehicle charging stations that places one roughly every 50 miles along interstate highways. It's part of the Biden administration's plan to spur widespread adoption of zero-emission cars. The Transportation Department approved the plans yesterday for the last set of 17 states that will install or upgrade fast charging 
chargers along 75,000 miles of highway coast to coast. By the end of the year, drivers could start seeing upgrades to existing highway EV stations in states including Pennsylvania, California, Colorado, and Florida. New York Governor Kathy Hochul issued a statement yesterday praising the approval of the EV charging network. The Democrats says, quote, the approval, which includes up to $175 million to expand New York's network, will help further facilitate the transition to zero emission vehicles and advance New York's nation-leading goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, combat climate change, improve air quality, provide benefits to disadvantaged communities, and create green jobs. Tigers fans will have more than their football team to cheer when they head out to Friday's game, pitting Union Endicott against the Corning-painted Post Hawks. They'll be able to celebrate a new stadium. Construction workers are putting the finishing touches on a $1.3 million modernization project at Ty Cobb Stadium in Endicott. New bleachers have been installed and other enhancements have been made at the facility behind UE High School. District Director of Facilities and Safety Toby Riddleberger says the stadium should be ready for Friday's scheduled football game. Some preliminary construction work for the project began during the spring break last April. New concrete risers were installed in recent weeks before aluminum seating was put in place. Additional seating is being added at the top of the stands to provide handicap accessibility. Union Endicott School District voters approved the plan to renovate the the stadium in a 2019 capital project referendum. The stadium is named in honor of Harold Ty Cobb, who was a UE football coach for nearly 40 years. Pennsylvania is spending $45 million to add three new state parks. Governor Tom Wolf yesterday announced the parks will be at a nature preserve in Tunkhannock on Big Elk Creek in the Philadelphia suburbs and along the Susquehanna River near Wrightsville. Together, they'll add about 3,400 acres to Pennsylvania's existing system of 121 state parks. The three new parks' final names have not been determined. They're expected to be fully operational by the end of 2026. New state funding is also helping develop a park where people can use motorized vehicles south of Hazleton and to preserve the state's large collection of geologic core samples. The National Weather Service is letting the Twin Tiers know there is a possibility of frost in our future. A hazardous weather outlook issued for central New York and northeast Pennsylvania says cold temperatures are expected Thursday night into Friday morning with areas of frost and possibly a freeze in some of the coldest spots. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast today, mostly cloudy, a 40% chance of showers high in the low 60s. Mostly cloudy tonight, a slight chance of showers low in the mid 40s. Partly sunny tomorrow, a high near 60. Once again, clear skies on Thursday night with a chance of frost toward daybreak with a low in the mid to upper 30s. Friday, patchy frost in the morning, otherwise sunny, high in the mid 60s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 We're back at it. Another big hour from News Radio, WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. It's Bob Joseph manning the microphone and monitoring the telephone. The number to that device is 607-772-1290. If you'd like to talk, if you'd rather send an email, send it to bob at wnbf.com.
to ride. Ride like the wind to be free again. Oh, they don't ride them like that anymore. That song reminds me of one of my favorite late night comedy bits. And it was funny, even though it was produced and written by Canadians, for Canadians. But they had a, a program that ran on NBC a few years back, and it was called SC TV. So it stood for Second City TV. And here's a, just a clip. Some guy who called himself Jerry Todd. <laughs> Obviously, if you need more information about Jerry Todd, you can use your internet. But this is one of my favorite uh, little segments from that hit comedy show from a few years back on NBC when uh, a guy was pretending to be a VJ, a video jockey, back when MTV had just basically hit the air. So this guy called himself Jerry Todd. Listen carefully to enjoy this little snippet from NBC's SCTV back in the day. I want to thank you for being with me this morning. Hope you've enjoyed the program. I know I have. Had lots of fun. Hope you have had too. Come back again. Join me for the Jerry Todd Show next time. Meantime, we've got more video for you. This time from the Grammy winner himself, Christopher Cross. And a song that I'm just crazy about. Will you see the video. It's called Ride Like the Wind. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye. Take care. See you next time. So long. <laughs> uh, he hit it out of the park. He hit it out of the park. <laughs> I mean, it works on on radio, but it also really worked on, on TV. And, of course, for someone who was in radio, and also did, in my early years, did a music program that was... Uh, as they say, that was a classic. 1112 WNBF, Bob Joseph with you. We are monitoring Hurricane Ian in Florida. Uh, I mentioned before the top of the hour that I had switched on Fox News Channel for their coverage. Now, uh, to be balanced and fair, I have just switched on MSNBC. And their coverage, also controversial, says National Hurricane Center, eye wall of Hurricane Ian. Is moving onshore. So I'm monitoring the major cable news channels, even though, of course, they're controversial. And as you can see, MSNBC is slanting their coverage to the left. As we uh, heard before the top of the hour, Fox News was slanting their coverage over to the right. Let me switch to CNN, see what sort of middle-of-the-road coverage they're putting out. Uh, no, they're they're copying MSNBC. Eye wall of Hurricane Ian coming on shore now, and a correspondent is doing a live report from St. Petersburg with the, uh, of course, traditional wind-whipped look that is popular on TV during hurricane coverage. All right, let's go to the phone, 607-772-1290. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from? Bob from Boston, Miami. Yeah, you're on the air. Good morning. What are you talking about? The hurricane coverage being political? What? What's that mean? 
everything is politicized. That's why I'm monitoring. This morning, I, I monitored Fox News Channel for 15 minutes. Then during the news break at the top of the hour, I put on uh, MSNBC for 10 minutes. Now I have CNN, but I'm going to put Fox News Channel back on because CNN just went into a break. So, yeah, it's all all hyper-partisan, the way they cover the, the hurricane. How can it be partisan when there's a storm? See, that's what I, um, you people are nuts, man. Okay, anyway, Matt Ryan, he's always telling Republicans, oh, you should be open-minded. How open-minded is Matt Ryan? He hates Republicans. Are you kidding me? I don't understand people like him. Republicans should do this and Republican. Come on, man, as Big Joe would say. Well, Brandon would probably say, come on, man, because he doesn't have as big a vocabulary as other presidents. But still, he is trying hard. He's about a... <laughs> uh, you know, when I see a picture of him, all I can think of is, take my hand and show me where I live. He's doing, he's doing better than expected, I believe. Yeah, right. He's doing great i didn't say he's doing really great i he's doing the best he can and i think in the view of many people in the administration he's actually doing better than they expected and gas i'm getting sick of you uh celebrating 350 until it gets like down to two something i'm not celebrating at all and it's joe's fault not putin well i'll tell you what if you want to see gas dip into um two dollar territory Drive up to Cortland in the next week or so. It's at 303. Well, it's just outside Cortland. Two stations at Homer now have gas at 303. So if the trend continues, they'll be well under three bucks probably in the next um, four days. Worry, later in the year it'll be six, seven. But anyway, I'm not driving 40 miles to Cortland and then uh, burn all that gas out on my way back home. That doesn't make any sense. For people who think in this world, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. I just had to answer Matt Ryan because him and Vinny, man, their reasoning are so backwards. I had to keep, I had to call again. All right. Well, you Matt know, the, the the phone lines are always open. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. Some people, the way they think is just, Republicans are not evil people. They want just normal stuff you know? i don't think I, no one says the republicans are evil people i think some people are concerned that pe some people who are affiliated with the party are spouting off things that could potentially be hazardous to democracy yeah right well yeah right i mean listen to some of these uh the insurrectionists they just had another insurrectionist sentenced to the big house i think he got seven years in prison for his um criminality he attacked a law enforcement officer on january 6 2021 so they sent him away oh listen i got some have you seen those clips of those people kicking people's faces in where they might blind them and and that's the democrat party they don't arrest people and put them in jail how can you people stick up for that party it drives me out of my mind can you imagine if you're walking down the street and somebody smashed you and started kicking you in the face? Oh. Yeah, it happened in Binghamton, and that's still an unsolved case. And, you know, it goes back years and years, and they never, ever managed a successful prosecution 
for the that killing on Conklin Avenue. It happened right near Tom Libus's house. So, you know, why? And by the way, I believe when it happened, the president of the United States was a Republican. So don't don't pretend that this sort of aberrant criminality is something new. See, you always got an answer. You won't face up to the facts of this administration. And how about that new press secretary? Whoa. I like her. I like her. You talk about an uninformed person. You look at her and you can see she doesn't even know what's going on. Like Joe, oh, I, I'm done, man. Yeah. Oh, what's going on, like Joe? Well, we again are having telephone problems. Um, we'll be looking into the telephone problem here at News Radio WNBF. However, as you know, despite telephone problems where callers are disconnected suddenly, I will carry on while remaining calm. News Radio, WNBF with Bob Joseph. You can hear it live at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always for free anywhere using the WNBF app. You're ready. Is basically the forecast there down at Key West. 1122 WNBF keeping you informed with um, the guy who truly is on your side. Some stations claim that, but did you ever try to get through to him? See what I'm saying? We have a phone, and it oftentimes works. You can test our phone line by calling 607-772-1290. You can also check out some real local news at WNBF.com, including the story of the Little Oak. The Little Oak. Yes, coming soon. And uh, over the years, as you know, if you've lived in the Binghamton area for any length of time, people love the Red Oak Diner on Front Street in Binghamton, sadly. Red Oak Diner closed a couple of years ago. Really challenging times during the early months of the pandemic. Well, now, uh, Julianne, who uh, worked with Michael for about 35 years operating the Red Oak on Front Street, now Julianne has uh, teamed up with her daughter, Maria, and they are setting up a place they'll call the Little Oak Neighborhood Bistro and Bakery. Look at WNBF.com for all the details, pictures, and even a video. I, I ventured inside and spoke briefly with Julianne and Maria about their plans for the Little Oak. You can see it at WNBF.com. Back to the phones we go. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. It's Gary from the West Side. Hello. 
Hello. So I want to pick your brain about something, get your opinion. I went to the Rumble Ponies baseball game, and they had the uh, Binghamton Hall of uh, Fame inductees. And when I went to the stadium, there was a sign there that said, uh, Jose Reyes and Senator Schumer will not be in attendance tonight. And uh, I had heard that uh, Mr. Senator Schumer didn't want Jose Reyes to be in the Hall of Fame because of uh, his domestic violence charge that was dropped. Uh, what do you know about that? Anything? Do you care to it's stuff? first I've heard about it, but in, in this day and age, nothing nothing would surprise me, but that that's nothing I, I had previously heard. Okay, I mean, because this guy... You know, if you look back at the B-Mets history, you know, you got, like, David Wright. And then, you know, uh, you have uh, also the pitcher, DeGrom. You know, and then you got Jose Reyes. And he might have been the third best, you know, it's not for, up for debate, but the third best B-Met player. And they're not putting him in the Hall of Fame in Binghamton. And with no reason, they didn't say why. Or well, anything. maybe. Maybe that's a good thing. I, to be honest with you, uh, until you just mentioned it, I guess for whatever reason I had forgotten about about that part of his history. Now, now I'm looking it up, and I one of the first stories I punch up on the Google machine goes back to 2016 in the New York Post, and the headline says Mets no Mets no fans don't want to cheer domestic abuser Jose Reyes. That is the headline from uh, 2016, and the lead is. Many Mets fans would cheer the return of Jose Reyes, the former star who spent his first nine seasons in Queens. But a women's rights group says many more would not support the Mets bringing back the once popular shortstop and believe the move shouldn't even be considered. After he was charged with domestic violence against his wife in the fall, the charge was dropped when his wife wouldn't cooperate with prosecutors. Um, it also says in the Post story, and I had forgotten this, Reyes, who served a 53-game suspension to start the season as part of Major League Baseball's new domestic violence program and was designated for assignment by the Rockies, was expected to become a free agent, and at that time he is being considered by the Mets as an option to boost their struggling offense. So I don't know much uh, aside from what I just read. I guess I had forgotten about uh, what happened several years ago with Jose Reyes, and I, I think that would be a, a worthwhile discussion, whether whether he really ought to be honored with that that aspect of, of his life. I mean, it gets back even to a, or goes to a, a wider discussion about all sorts of so-called sports heroes, people who were great um, as as superstars in their sport, but in some cases they don't wind up getting the honors they normally would because of aspects, whether it was domestic violence accusations, betting accusations, drug use, or whatever, or just being, you know, not not model citizens. So I don't I don't know. That's an interesting that's an interesting thing, and it is the first I've heard about it. And well, they both didn't show up. Yeah, well, Chuck Schumer, you know, the interesting thing about Chuck guy. Schumer. I get it. What? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Well, did you say he's a busy guy? 
I did it's say that. It's not that busy. What? You're a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. Chuck Schumer flies for free, gets free food, and, and he probably... Places, he, right? he travels places, but I'll tell you what, he wasn't in Binghamton on Saturday night for the right. uh, Binghamton Baseball Shrine induction ceremony. Yep. He, he couldn't make it for some reason. So the next morning, where was he? He was in New York City at some event in New York City. He could easily. I mean, how long does it take you to drive from Binghamton from the Rumble Ponies game on Saturday night? They did the ceremony, as I recall, at about 6.15. So the ceremony was over at about 6.35. He could have gotten into his Chuckmobile, probably driven by uh, a government-paid driver for security purposes so he, he could have been whisked down uh, from the stadium on henry street down to new york city he could have been back home uh easily easily by ten thirty saturday night but for whatever reason he just couldn't make it to binghamton and you know hey was i bothered of course i was but did i say anything about it on the air till now of course i didn't I wasn't going to bring it up, but you brought it up. Now I'm forced to. I did bring it up. I'm forced to ask the question: Why Chuck Schumer couldn't make it for the induction ceremony for the Binghamton Baseball Shrine? Okay, but that, MC, MC'd by Roger Neal. That alone, that alone oh, should have been great, Roger Neal did an, an excellent job, and in my humble opinion. And my opinion has never been more humble than this. In my humble opinion, Charles Schumer should have been there just to show some respect for Roger Neal and Binghamton baseball fans. Well, but why wasn't Jose Reyes there, right? So I don't know. That's the underlying. Oh, oh that's. Maybe, oh, he's that, guilty. Maybe he's guilty, according to Chuck Schumer, until proven innocent. Maybe yeah, I don't know. he's got his ways uh, backwards. So tell me, tell me where where you heard this theory. Well, I heard it from somebody, and you know that's uh, pretty good. Had pretty good information in the past, and you know they, I, I can't. I don't want to say his name, obviously, but is it some, it, well? Is it some, well? Is it someone I know? Uh, probably yes, yes, and somebody close within the organization. But all right. No, that's yeah. it's fine. I'm, I, I mean, I'm just I don't curious. Know whether it's true or false. That's why I just oh, yeah. I throw that out. No, it's there. a great another question. Thing, another thing I want to throw out there too is, so like you know, gas prices have skyrocketed. We all know that. Food prices have skyrocketed. We all know that. Okay, in the United States, we want to blame that on our government because that's what we want to do. But is there a global increase in gas prices? Is there a global increase in food prices did the prices in england go up did the prices in china go up everywhere in the world prices have gone up everywhere right you look right Canada, and, and yes Europe. and and in, in many countries the prices have gone up even even more drastically than they have here in the great USA, land of the free, home of WNBF. So, you know, a lot of people should take a closer look at what's going on around the world and actually, world. yes, and yeah. actually thank, thank their stars, if you believe in that thing, that we live in America where, yes, prices have gone up, but the, the, a lot of the increases have been more moderate than in other countries. Hong Kong, 1125 U.S. 
gallon. That's what it would be. $11.25. Right. So, you know, and I'm sure if you go to some countries, like, say, Saudi Arabia, probably the price of gas in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, because they're Venezuela, Saudi Arabia. Uh, uh, Oil and gasoline producing companies or countries will generally have lower prices. But... You know, such is life. And then you could also, one of the things that also tends to get lost in the discussion of gas prices, somebody will say, oh, the gas price here in Binghamton is 349 or 355 or, or whatever. And down in wherever, Louisiana or Florida, it's two whatever. I don't even know what the lowest prices are in the U.S. But a lot of times people don't take into account our high state gas taxes in New York and Pennsylvania. You need to Which include have been that. They've to, been a degree, to a degree. To a degree. Yeah. And right. and by okay. the way, Downside. by the way, people should buckle up because uh, shortly after the elections, <laughs> you know, you, and and you know, I'm already, I'm already bracing. Yes, I'm already bracing for people to start calling in, complaining when gas prices appear to suddenly spike when the gas tax holiday comes to an end, because that's inevitable. People will be, um, I was going to use a bad word, well, people will be upset that um, prices suddenly go up when the gas holiday is over, as to be expected, and they won't say, well, at least we did get a break for six months. Yeah. You know, people you are, know, you know, here's, it, here's if this. If they had a greed meter, Bob, if they had a greed meter, and you could see it, right? There's it, 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 just so much greed in the world. The people that are high up, that can get, they want to make more money. That's what they want to do. They just want to, you know, the corporations, and they just want to make more money. Mobile, Exxon, they're making the, the highest profits they ever made. Yeah, right? so, yeah, and to a large yeah, extent, they're making extremely high profits, and instead of reinvesting those high profits, historically high profits this year, they could reinvest in their operations. Instead, they're um, buying back shares, so you know, to support their stock prices. So their their interest, based on what I've heard and read, their interest is not your interest. No. No, it's greed. Once you get into that greed part, you lose sight of just reality. You really do. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, it's like it says on the back of, of on the back of um, every dollar bill, every every denomination of U.S. currency. On the back, it says greed is good. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say in Brandon we trust. Yeah, that's coming up. Uh, that's coming up in January when the Republicans take control of Congress. Yeah, I'm not a politician guy. I, you know, po- politics can be very upsetting. You know, it's you're either on the, the winning side or the losing side. When you're on the losing side, it's, it's not a good place to but be. But here's the thing. So I don't want to be on any side. Yeah, but... I just want to be in the middle. Right, and, and be an American. What I don't understand is why people get so upset. Life goes on. Life goes on, whether you worked for a candidate for mayor or county executive or governor or president, life goes on even if your candidate doesn't win. Life goes on. There will be another election. Look forward. Look forward. Don't don't be part of the disgruntled group and and just, you know, your candidate lost. There's no shame 
in running for office and losing. Every election is going to have a winner and a loser. And I congratulate everyone who runs for any office. And and so therefore, in case I haven't said it, but I think I probably did at one point, I congratulate Donald Trump for running for president in 2020. He didn't win. He didn't win, but I'm glad that he ran for president. The Republicans needed to be represented by someone, and Donald Trump was the winner of the primary process. So I congratulate him, perhaps belatedly, for winning the nomination in 2020, and congratulate him for coming within seven or eight million votes of, of winning. That's, that's not bad. It's better than I've ever done. I watched the thing with Sean Hannity. He had an interview with uh, the former president the other day, and uh, he still thinks that you know there was uh, corruption in in the polls and stuff like that. And you know, this way he could just keep repeating that and to feed the people that want to hear that. He's using it to raise money. I mean, that's that's talk about greed. Oh, since he got kicked out of his public housing a year and a half ago. He's continued this, this, oh, it wasn't fair. And he's raised millions and millions and millions of dollars from his supporters. Now there's greed for you. Yep. But not only that, there's other people in Congress that still say that, you know, uh, the election was stolen. And that's, you know, they're going to be running, too. And exactly. And a lot of times, if not most cases, the reason they're saying that is to raise money for their campaigns because they know that they're uh, that approximately 27 percent of the population of adults in the country believes what they're saying. And many of them will donate to the campaigns because they believe the election was stolen. So that's it's a sad commentary, but that's what's going on. And as far as I can tell, it's perfectly legal. 1138, more calls coming up. 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF. Want to save a lot? Chasing after money and dreams that can't come true. I'm glad that we are different. We've better things to do. May others plan their future. I'm busy loving you. One, two, three, four. Live for today because you never know if there'll be a radio talk show tomorrow. See what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh, back to the lines we go. Peggy and Binghamton. Good morning. Hi. Um, sometimes you know people listen to you, and you are so far left that you know you sometimes you really don't know what you're talking about. Like the press secretary. Um, please, you 
think he says everything that's right. Like, we have no recession. Um, right there. That's one example. We have no recession. Recession is, doesn't exist. And how is she different? How, how is Karen different from any other press secretary for a president? Well, no, the first one lied just as much as the second one did. I'm saying they're, they're all the same. I'm not saying, by the way, that any of them are bad. I'm not criticizing anyone who's been a presidential press secretary. They have a thankless job, but that's their job. No, I didn't, I didn't say any other press secretary. I'm talking about this one, this current one. You told a caller two callers ago that you didn't think she says anything wrong. She doesn't say anything wrong. She's working for Brandon. If she said something wrong, Brandon would fire her so fast, your head would spin. <laughs> we have no recession. That's what she said. She's allowed to say whatever she wants. It, when, when the presidential press secretary is giving a briefing at the White House, it's equivalent to a, a talk show where the host can say whatever he or she wants within certain constraints. It's opinion. Well, this is the problem, is that none of the Democrats are going to debate within one week of voting. And it's just, you say a lot of stuff that, and you, I don't know. But you make it sound like I disagree with you. No, I, I agree. All candidates... Democrats, Republicans, all candidates ought to participate in several debates. I agree with you on more issues than you would know. Okay. I mean, really. I, I'm, I'm serious. And as far as a White House press secretary, whether it's the current one or anybody who has ever been in that, that role in the White House briefing room, they're not allowed to give the facts. They're not allowed to give their opinion they're working for the President of the United States. They work at the President's pleasure, and they want a job. I, I'll be honest. If It'll never happen, of course, but say if someone, whether it's Donald Trump in the future, say if he's President again in 2025, if he called me and said, Bob, you're a, a good guy. I know that you may have said some things that weren't supportive of me but you're a good enough guy a new yorker you you love america so would you be my white house press secretary i would say yes i would take the job with the understanding that i would have to say what president trump wanted uh, i don't even know how she sleeps at night tell you the truth. i don't know how she sleeps at night either but the same with with some of president trump's secretaries what, what was the one who was just talking about alter, alternate facts i mean you know, basically, she said in interviews, she acknowledged that she and, and her White House colleagues engaged in lying. But as, as wacky as that was when she admitted it in an interview, no one was surprised. Nobody said, oh, I can't believe that a White House press secretary just admitted on live TV that sometimes they lie. That's what they do. Well, it's, it's part, whether you like it or not. And, and believe me, I don't like it, but I accept it. That's just part of the job. They're working for the president. In this case, Brandon, if Brandon wants her to say something, then she goes out there and says it. If he says to 
the White House press secretary, I want you to go out there in front of the White House press corps, a bunch of stenographers, and tell them there's no recession. She has to do it or she's going to be looking for a job. All right. I don't even want to get into immigration, but you know where those Martha, St- Martha Vineyard people went, right? Yeah, I don't even know. Uh, that makes me sick. 1146 WNBF. Don't even bring that up. Martha's Vineyard people. I hope there's a criminal case there. To me, that seemed illegal. Dumping people off at Martha's Vineyard without making prior arrangements. Come on, man. 1146. Bob Joseph, WNBF. You wash your hands. heck is that sorry we apparently having some technical problems there sounds like aliens got into the music playlist dj from binghamton yes your favorite caller and mine dj hey speaking of aliens i want to say did you know let's play a game called did you know real quick did you know that the united states has four uh forces armed forces Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines until my favorite president brought about the, what I just, well, I didn't just find out, but I, I Googled it last night because someone was talking about Space Force. Oh, yeah, with the like, Space, bo- space Boys. They, he, uh, now there's a, a thing that we're paying for, and billions of dollars, by the way, billions of tax yeah. dollars going for Space Boys. And it's like, really come on, man. We, you know, say what you want about. Brandon, at least he didn't. He hasn't pulled one of those where you know squandering more and more of our hard-earned tax dollars for another division of the military. Come on, man! But Bob, here's what people don't know: they have their own anthem. I googled it last night, and they have their own anthem. And it reminded me of Matthew 24: "Signs in the sky, watch for the signs in the sky." That's a major sign. And then when you YouTube it. Mario, Marco Rubio, you know, at the pool, when they always say Marco and they say Polo, I shout out Rubio because I'll look at me like, what? He was talking about things in space and how we need to defend and everything, too. So it's very interesting, as Artie Johnson used to say, that we are living in the times of the Space Force. Keep your eyes on the skies. Yeah, well, you saw what happened last Saturday when they claimed it was a Falcon 9 from Elon Musk. It's probably one of Donald Trump's Space Force uh, uh, things that they, they put up without authorization. It's probably what all those all that stuff that he stole, all the secret documents, it's probably for his uh, spacecraft that he was going to fly. He was probably there pushing all the buttons. I heard about that. He threw him up into space. I think he got on his roof, and he threw him up into space. I think I heard about that. Yeah, he was he was busy eating some Whoppers from BK Lounge. Well, isn't this special? Vinny from Binghamton, good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. Um, I wanted to uh, talk about, you know, they were talking about gas prices earlier. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things we have to remember is that a lot of this stuff was caused by COVID. 
with everything shutting down. And, I mean, how I don't know how we can't forget that. But again, that's uh, like uh, that book by uh, Gore Vidal, um, you know, The United States of Amnesia, when he talked about the Patriot Act and all of our our uh, um, securities and everything that we had and, and invasion on our privacy was, was, was basically taken away with the Patriot Act. And nobody said nothing about it. And my friend just got back from vacation from Panama City. I, it's funny, I forget that Florida has two time zones. And he was in the other time zone. You know, Panama City is like in the north, northwest part of, it's like west of Tallahassee, as a matter of fact. And he said gas prices were $299, 295 down there. So Yeah, you know why you know, they're so cheap? Because Donald Trump lives in Florida. That's why. Well, it if that's what it is, that's what it is. But I mean there is there is cheap gas down there. But we must remember that this is this is where all this stuff came from. The only thing that I am glad about is a lot of people are getting paid more. Eventually inflation will come down because you're gonna have uh, uh, storage areas and, and warehouses full of stuff, they got to get rid of. They got to get rid of it. So you'll see prices come down, inflation comes down, but at least our pay will be up. Now, there's still be some people out there that, oh, no, I don't know about that in our pay, but we've just got to, to me, focus on the main things that affects everybody. The health care is a big one. You know, wages, you know, we work it out. And some of these unions, that they want it. Now, I'm all about unions. I'm all about, you know, um, uh, 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 what is what's the word I want? Well, I'm all about unions, but you got to be careful about what we want to unionize. I don't, my personal feeling about, I don't see Starbucks having a union. There's not that many people there. And you'll get some of these owners, they'll shut it down and open another one back up. Oh, sure. That's yeah. apparently with, uh, who's, who's the guy who runs the Starbucks? Howie. Howie, or oh, maybe he stepped down, but I, I think that was part of his plan. Every time that somebody started to unionize one of his um, expensive coffee shops, he just would shut it down. I think there's evidence that that was part of his strategy to fight uh, the labor movement. Yeah, and it's very easy. There's not that much square footage in a, in a Starbucks. There's not that many people. They'll just shut it and open another one. Yeah, somebody else did that. There was a big wine store in Manhattan, and yeah. uh, about the moment that the employees there voted to unionize, uh, suddenly the uh, the company that ran the wine store there for, for months, they, they pulled the plug, and they said, yeah, well, uh, don't worry, we'll open up another one at another location. Well, of course, that's that's pretty clear what they're talking about. There was no problem with that location, except that the workers had approved a union. And that was a problem for the company that, last I knew, the company that was running that Manhattan wine shop was highly profitable. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and my thing is, like I said, I don't know the details, but like if you're going to be doing a big Amazon warehouse, okay, I see where you're going, but, I, you know, what what are you fighting for? What what, what do you want? Benefits or you know? Don't be anything stupid. Just just what is going well, on? Well, a lot of That's what all. they wanted, maybe some benefits, but they also wanted, I think, better consideration in terms of scheduling. And apparently, scheduling has been a big issue at Starbucks and some of the other retailers that where 
And let's face it, scheduling's tough because, you know, they don't want to have too many people working in the place when there aren't enough customers. On the other hand, when they're slammed, they want to have enough people. So, you know, I, a lot of people would say, well, you should never side with Starbucks because, you know, just because they're Starbucks. But I, I can sort of understand their predicament in terms of scheduling. But I also fully understand why it's not pleasant to be working and that sort of thing and and not be scheduled when you you've already told them you're available so it's it's complicated as they say i can see both sides now i would write a song about that except it's already been done this is bob joseph on your side on news radio wnbf 92.1 fm 1290 a.m and streaming at WNBF.com. You're in. I'm Bob Joseph. The previous presentation came to you live from the studios of News Radio, WNBF Binghamton. As they say on the radio, mission accomplished. As they also say, stay tuned. It's 12 noon. <laughs> 